Section 15 of Major Symptoms of Hysteria. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Major Symptoms of Hysteria by Pierre Janet. Lecture 15. General Definitions. Review of the Typical Symptoms of Hysteria. The Positive and Negative Phenomena in Somnambulism with Amnesia in agitations with paralyses and anaesthesias the general idea of the contraction of the field of consciousness and of the lowering of the mental level definitions of hysteria their congruency psychological definitions the need of precision in these definitions definitions of hysteria as a disease by suggestion discussion of these definitions fixed ideas without relation to the medical form of the accident the physiological and psychological laws unknown to the patient the conditions of suggestion hysteria as a form of mental depression characterized by the contraction of the field of personal consciousness and a tendency to the dissociation and emancipation of the system of ideas and functions that constitute personality the laws of localization the part played by the difficulty of the function by psychological automatism by the anterior weakening of the function by the localization of the emotion in these lectures on the great symptoms of hysteria i have tried to present a rapid picture not of all the symptoms of hysteria but of the essential ones in order that you might form a just idea of a singular malady of which everybody speaks and which but few physicians know well i have only presented to you the typical cases and forms around which it is easy for you to group the degraded forms and confused aspects which most diseases offer in practice we must try now to sum up these descriptions and to derive from them some general conception of the whole disease one allow me first to remind you in a few words of the essential pictures you should keep before your eyes in order to form a general idea of the hysterical disease we have studied somnambulism together i no longer say hysterical somnambulism for there is no more any somnambulism for us outside of hysteria we have studied it under its simple and typical form of monoidaic somnambulism then in its more complete forms of fugues of polyidaic somnambulisms of artificial somnambulisms you remember that we have always recognized in it the exaggerated development of an idea of a feeling of a psychological state in a word of a system of thoughts which takes place outside the memory and the normal consciousness this dissociation of a psychological system is manifested not only by the preceding development but also by amnesia bearing not only on the somnambulic period but even in remarkable cases on the whole of the idea and of the feeling when later we studied various accidents bearing on the movements of the limbs we recognized that small systems of movements and sometimes great systems rich and old constituting real functions develop themselves without control to an exaggerated degree and give rise to tics and careers of various kinds this lack of control is manifested through negative phenomena closely connected with the preceding ones paralyses and anaesthesias which seem to play here the same role as the amnesias of somnambulism when we came to the sensorial functions we saw the same agitations under the forms of tics of pains and of hallucinations accompanied with certain losses of control which constitute various anaesthesias bearing on the special senses as well as on the general sensibilities in connection with these anaesthesias we remarked more clearly than we had done in connection with the preceding phenomena the real nature of these amnesias of these paralyses in a word of these disappearances of functions 
the function is far from being destroyed it continues to exist and often even develops to an exaggerated degree it is only suppressed from one very special standpoint it is no longer at the disposal of the will or the consciousness of the subject surprising as it is we recognized the same facts not only in the complex function of speech but even in the visceral functions the refusal to eat vomitings hysterical dyspneas are not diseases of the stomach or lungs they consist in a kind of emancipation of the cerebral and psychological function relative to these organs there is now an exaggeration independent of the function again and more often a disappearance from consciousness of these organic wants and of the acts that are connected with them finally in our last lectures we sought in the very character of these patients in the status of their minds for fundamental stigmata allowing us to recognize and understand the malady we succeeded in bringing into evidence on the one hand stigmata proper to hysteria suggestion absent-mindedness carried to unconsciousness alternation which we summarized in the general idea of retraction of the field of consciousness and on the other hand general stigmata the absence of attention the lack of feeling and of will which are connected with depression with the lowering of the mental level this is a clinical picture that must suffice us in practice if we remember these chief facts by comparing with them the complex and less clear cases that practice presents to us we shall succeed in appreciating the hysterical disease fairly justly while avoiding many prejudices and errors that are still very common nowadays unfortunately the human mind is not so easily content it is fond of dangers and quarrels and we feel the need of formulating concerning hysterical disease general conceptions interpretations definitions which are much more exposed to criticism and error it seems to me that it is in some way a medical fashion to give definitions on hysteria already in the old book of brachet in 1847 there were at the beginning about 50 formulas passed in review though la segue said that hysteria could never be defined and that the attempt should not be made since that declaration everybody has tried to define it i have discussed in my little book on hysteria about ten definitions and i have been foolish enough to present a new one of course physicians have continued to define it and since that time ten others or so have been proposed we must obey the fashion by saying a few words about these definitions let us try to derive from them without attaching too great importance to the terms a general idea that suffices us in practice two i am wrong in laughing at the definitions of hysteria and observing to you their abundance which in these matters is not a proof of truth these definitions have evolved they have made visible progress and though they appear numerous nowadays they come so close to one another that they blend together do not forget that we are speaking of medicine and that this is rather a special domain less calm and serene than high mathematics you should not ask too much of the virtue of a physician or hope that he will confine himself to repeating the definition of a predecessor even if he does not cite his name what would be left for him he must needs change something in these definitions were it but a single word in order to appear to innovate which in medicine is indispensable i do not exaggerate in telling you that nowadays three-fourths of the definitions of hysteria are nearly identical thus i shall perhaps surprise you by telling you that there is no opposition between the definitions that gloriously entitle themselves physiological and those that modestly call themselves psychological no doubt there would be a great difference if these authors had seen really seen a lesion characteristic of the neurosis and if they had connected the evolution of the disease with this lesion never fear one can make nowadays a so-called physiological definition at smaller cost 
it is enough to take the most commonplace psychological definitions and replace their terms with words vaguely borrowed from the language of anatomy and the current physiological hypotheses instead of saying the function of language is separated from the personality one will proudly say the centre of speech has no longer any communication with the higher centres of association instead of saying the mental synthesis appears to be diminished one will say the higher centre of association is benumbed and the feat will be done i recommend to you in this connection to read the last book of monsieur jose ingenieros published at buenos aires in nineteen o six in the first chapter which i do not understand very well on account of my imperfect knowledge of spanish he shows that many of the definitions of modern physicians are equivalent and i am quite of his opinion so there is an ensemble of points on which all the authors agree and it is those which we shall have to bring into evidence charcot used to say that hysteria is an entirely psychic malady this opinion was discussed at his time there were still some remainders of the old uterine and genital theories there were still some attempts to connect hysteria with various nervous lesions dr bastian's book in england a very interesting book is very courageous he had the pretension to localize different hysterical accidents in different corners of the medulla of the bulb or of the lower centres of the encephalon that there is no truth in those old conceptions that hysteria will not be recognized later as resulting from some unknown disturbance of the secretion of a vascular gland or from some lesion of a nowadays badly defined nervous system i should not dare assert but one thing is certain namely that for twenty years everybody has departed from this view of the matter and that the psychological conception has the mastery i again observe to you that i consider the pretended physiological definitions as mere translations of the psychological ideas this point is almost agreed on by everyone but now difficulties begin of what kind of psychological disturbance is it a question we should not under pretense of psychology confusedly link hysteria with the vague group of mental diseases and the old nervosismos on this point the work of a distinguished physician dr dubois of berne interesting from other standpoints is in my opinion absolutely pernicious the psychological interpretation should not suppress what is good what is excellent in our ancestors works now the last century produced a monumental work namely clinical work with infinite patience and penetration all those great clinicians introduced order into a real chaos they ranged the diseases in groups they enabled us to recognize these groups improvements should consist in consolidating this edifice and not in throwing it down to say under pretense of psychology that a somnambulism is identical with any delirium that hysterical vomiting is a mere derangement to be confounded with manias of doubt or with melancholias or even perhaps with the tics of idiots is to go two hundred years back and it would be much better to suppress the psychological interpretation and be content with the clinical description consequently in making hysteria a psychological affection we do not intend at all as m grasset seemed to believe to confound it with some sort of other or mental malady we even say that it is nowadays the most characteristic disturbance of all and that it is important to distinguish it well the first psychological notion that appears to me to result with the greatest clearness from all the contemporary works is a notion relative to the importance of ideas in certain hysterical accidents charcot studying the paralyses had shown that the disease is not produced by a real accident but by the idea of this accident it is not necessary that the carriage wheel should really have passed over the patient it is enough if he has the idea that the wheel passed over his legs this remark is easy to generalize 
there are such kinds of fixed ideas in somnambulisms and fugues the idea of one's mother's death the idea of visiting tropical countries etc there are such ideas in systematic contractures for instance when a patient seems to hold her feet stretched because she thinks herself on the cross there are such ideas in visceral disturbances and i have shown you the observation of a patient who died of hunger because she had the fixed idea of the turnips she had eaten when at school these remarks have been well made on every side it has also been established that with hystericals ideas have a greater importance and above all a greater bodily action than with the normal man they seem to penetrate more deeply into the organism and to bring about motor and visceral modifications it is a point which was again emphasized by messieurs mathieu and roux in a recent paper they devoted to hysterical vomiting what characterizes hystericals they said is less the fact of accepting some idea or other than the action exercised by this idea on their stomachs or intestines at the same time the studies on suggestion which have been very numerous have allowed clinicians to realize experimentally through the action of ideas many phenomena analogous to hysterical accidents so it may be said that the most common conceptions of hysteria turn on this character mebius in eighteen eighty eight after charcot said we may consider as hysterical all morbid modifications of the body that are caused by representations strumpel in eighteen ninety two bernheim oppenheim and more recently babinski have repeated each of them of course with a slight change in the words quite similar definitions a phenomenon is hysterical said babinski when it can be produced through suggestion and cured through persuasion let us take no account of the end of the sentence the treatment and cure are delicate things much might be said on those cures through persuasion let us only retain the beginning hysteria is defined by suggestion it is absolutely the conception of charcot and mebius hysteria through fixed ideas and hysteria through representation this word suggestion which besides one takes care not to define is taken simply in the sense attached to it by all the preceding authors namely that of a too powerful idea acting on the body in an abnormal manner it is easy to remark here a unity of a great number of contemporary conceptions three i do not object very much to the preceding definitions if more precision were given to the meaning of the word suggestion these definitions would be agreed on by everybody besides these definitions bring back all the accidents of the neurosis to a symptom we have put in the first rank among the stigmata to the suggestibility so they are very scientific and useful it is one of the first results of all the psychological work that has been done on hysteria however i had already discussed them in eighteen ninety four and still think them insufficient as my arguments have been very little contradicted i will try to formulate them more clearly in the first place i believe that this conception of hysteria is more just in theory than in practice it rather summarizes a systematic interpretation than the clinical observation it is we who have repeated that the accidents seem to be brought about by ideas it is not quite exact that we always observe these ideas in a few cases and they are always the ones that are repeated the patient it is true has the idea that he is paralyzed i thought he says that my leg was crushed i had the idea that my leg no longer existed the consecutive paralysis with anaesthesia of the limb seems to be the exact translation of his idea but it is a singular exaggeration to apply this indifferently to all hysterical accidents and to say unreservedly with monsieur bernheim the hysterical realizes his accident just as he conceives it this is to come back to a kind of contemptuous accusation against the patient 
formerly the physician said to the patient you are paralyzed you have crises of sleep because you are willing to have these accidents now it is recognized that he is not willing to have them but it is still maintained that he thinks of them you have such or such a crisis with such or such an accident because you think of it i say that this is not true there are many hystericals who do not think of the accidents they have first of all with some patients the accidents develop insidiously unknown to them they become anaesthetic paralytic anorexic amorotic without in the least suspecting it clinical practice shows you this every day what shall we do then with the observations already cited by la Segue, in which it is the physician who reveals to the subject an anaesthesia or the blindness of one eye which he was not aware of in other cases it is incontestable that the accident develops with details with an evolution that the patient does not know whatever monsieur bernheim may say about it i do not admit at all that hystericals have at will paralyses with or without anaesthesias i do not admit that these patients know what happens in their somnambulisms that they combine the disease beforehand if these patients have fixed ideas and i acknowledge that this is very frequent it should be well remarked that these fixed ideas have no relation to the medical form of their accident one has the fixed idea of her mother's death it is not at all the fixed idea of somnambulism and of its laws another has a fixed idea relative to the flight of his wife who robbed him it is not the fixed idea of dumbness much oftener than is believed the accident develops independently of the ideas of the subject whether the subject does not think of it or thinks of something else i should like to present in the second place an argument which is still weak but the importance of which will grow more and more it relates to the physiological and psychological laws of hysterical accidents laws of which we are ignorant and of which the subjects are ignorant like us when we see a crowd of accidents evolve according to these laws which we painfully describe we cannot say that they are due to auto-suggestion i remind you of the laws of somnambulisms which in my opinion are capital somnambulism is followed by an amnesia which bears not only on the abnormal period but often also on the idea itself that fills it and on all the feelings connected with it this amnesia disappears and all the apparently lost remembrances are restored when the subject comes back into the same somnambulism in the case of irene which i take as a type there is in the waking state an amnesia not only of the crisis but also of her mother's death of the three preceding months and of all that is connected with her affection for her mother and during the fits all these remembrances are perfect do the subjects who show us applications of these laws and in my opinion they are very numerous do these subjects know them have they the idea of having such an oblivion in connection with their somnambulism ah oh, very unlikely they would much rather have the contrary idea that of being obsessed by their remembrance like the psychasthenics the more hysterical paralyses are studied the more laws of a similar kind will be discovered i have observed to you that the accidents bear on functions it is true that these functions oftenest appear to be identical with those which the vulgar have themselves recognized the function of alimentation the function of walk the function of the movements of the hand in this case you will tell me the paralysis might very well be brought about by an idea since the popular idea coincides with the very limits of the paralysis this is true in general simply because the popular ideas are true the great divisions of the functions correspond to the great divisions of the organs and the popular analysis has been correct that is all but there are some cases in which the popular analysis proves ignorance and in which hysterical paralysis analyzes the functions much better than good sense does 
why are the disturbances of speech accompanied with right-sided hemiplegy why are there cases of hemianopsia how is it that there are distinct paralyses of monocular vision and of binocular vision why are there disturbances of accommodation if you pass on to contractures do you really believe that the patient has the idea of rigidity without fatigue without increase of temperature that he has the idea of that modification of the reactions of that slowness of the muscular shake i am convinced for my part that hysterical contracture has its own laws quite peculiar to it presenting us as i told you a degradation of the contraction of the striated muscles all this is outside of the thought of the subject as i told you at the beginning it will be later a matter of astonishment that physicians should have attributed to the caprice of the subject all the psychological and physiological laws that will be discovered in these various accidents lastly i insist on a third argument these definitions have a meaning only on condition that the words fixed idea and suggestion are used in a particular sense this sense should be that with hystericals ideas do not conduct themselves as with everybody it is of no use for me to represent to myself that i am asleep i do not therefore sleep all these authors imply tacitly that these ideas act in a special manner on the mind and organism i answer that it is this special action that is the essential point it is this action that constitutes hysteria and you have not the right to make a definition in which you tacitly imply what is essential begin by defining what you call suggestion and afterwards you may say if you choose and if it is true that hysteria is a disease due to suggestion but to define suggestion you will be obliged to introduce into your definition certain new notions which are precisely those i asked for four you will be obliged to recognize that these ideas present themselves in special conditions that they develop out of measure because they meet with no counterpoise in the mind because they are isolated owing to a strange absent-mindedness of the subject in a word you will recognize the other stigmata absent-mindedness and the retraction of the field of consciousness when you have once admitted this retraction of the field of consciousness as one of the conditions of suggestion itself why should you maintain that it can produce nothing but suggestions why should you not admit that this disease of the mind may be manifested by something else if this retraction has given too much power to certain ideas does it not produce on the other hand some blanks can it not isolate and emancipate one function and suppress another from consciousness we then arrive at another group of definitions in which i range mine they are definitions in my opinion more profound into which enter the phenomena of dissociation of consciousness such as is observed in all hysterical disturbances suggestion itself is but a case of this dissociation of consciousness there are many others beside the one in somnambulisms in automatic words in emotional attacks in all the functional paralyses many authors gurney myers laurent breuer and freud benedict oppenheim jolly pick morton prince have thought like me that a place should be made for the disposition to somnambulism was not the somnambulic attack for us the type of hysterical accidents in eighteen eighty nine the disposition to this dissociation and at the same time the formation of states of consciousness which we propose to collect under the name of hypnoid states constitute the fundamental phenomenon of this neurosis said messieurs breuer and freud of vienna in eighteen ninety three the point which seems to me to be the most delicate in this definition is to indicate to what depth this dissociation reaches in reality we might say that the dementias themselves are dissociations of thought and of the motor functions we must remember that in hysteria the functions do not dissolve entirely 
that they continue to subsist emancipated with their systematization what is dissolved is personality the system of grouping of the different functions around the same personality i maintain to this day that if hysteria is a mental malady it is not a mental malady like any other impairing the social sentiments or destroying the constitution of ideas it is a malady of the personal synthesis and i will take up again very slightly modified the formula i have already presented hysteria is a form of mental depression characterized by the retraction of the field of personal consciousness and a tendency to the dissociation and emancipation of the systems of ideas and functions that constitute personality five let us leave two general discussions and come back to a more clinical conception of things the most important problem is not for me to understand what hysteria in general is but to account for the practical evolution of the accidents with such or such a person the difficulty we meet with then is a difficulty of localization how is it that with one person the hysteria bears on the arm with another on the stomach and that with a third it only reaches a system of ideas which it turns into a somnambulism it is on this search for an interpretation proper to each subject that one should dwell to my mind much more than on general quarrels of definition the starting point of hysteria is the same as that of most great neuroses it is a depression an exhaustion of the higher functions of the encephalon all the psychological operations do not present as i repeat the same difficulty there are some operations that are easy for all kinds of reasons first because they are simple and only require the union of a small number of elements second because they are old because their systematization was the work of our ancestors and is inscribed in strongly constituted organs there are some other functions that are difficult because on the one hand they are very complex because they necessitate the systematization of an infinite number of elements and because on the other hand they are very new and require a present synthesis not yet inscribed in the organism now our nervous strength which we do not know at all presents oscillations when it is high we easily accomplish the operations of the second group we have an extended consciousness we turn back from no new study or action but there are many circumstances in which this nervous tension is lowered especially with those hereditarily disposed there are some physiological periods puberty for instance at which the vital forces seem to be busy elsewhere and to leave no great resource to the brain there are diseases that through a thousand mechanisms through local lesions through intoxication through microbian infection lower our nervous tension even in normal functioning physical or intellectual fatigue is enough to produce momentarily the same result lastly the fact is more difficult to understand but incontestable emotion is characterized by this lowering of the nervous strength very likely in emotion there is a great expense of nervous strength necessitated by the new problem suddenly set and the emotional disturbance must come close to that of fatigue however it may be our patients have been exhausted through one of the preceding causes if hereditarily predisposed they are enfeebled by puberty or they succumb to intoxication fatigue or emotion the diminution the lowering of the nervous tension may bring about a general lowering of all the functions and especially of the highest this is what takes place in the psychasthenic neuroses in which the localization on a special point exists in a rather slight degree with hystericals in consequence of particular dispositions the lowering of the nervous strength produces in some manner a superficial retraction there is as it were an autonomy consciousness which is no longer able to perform two complex operations gives up some of them there is it is true a general enfeeblement which manifests itself through the common stigmata 
but there is above all a localization of the mental insufficiency on such or such particular function so we find again in hysteria the problem of localization which is of great importance in this disease no doubt in a certain number of cases the localization is effected through suggestion an idea suggested from without attracts the thinking in one direction or another and brings about besides according to laws the subject does not know such or such automatic functioning and such or such a loss of function this is only a particular case the localization may also be effected through a process akin to suggestion but which is not identical with it according to the laws of psychological automatism i have often drawn your attention to those individuals who having had an accident in certain circumstances and having been cured always recommence the same accident each time they experience an emotion though it has no relation with the first the man who was wounded by a railroad engine has a delirium in which he sees an engine coming towards him this is quite simple eleven years afterwards he sees his wife die and he recommences the engine delirium another has the tick of blowing through one of his nostrils because he had a scab in his nose in consequence of a bleeding at the nose he recovers from his tick but he recommences it now because he loses his fortune because his child is ill etc third law the dissociation simply bears on a function that for some reason or other has remained weak and disturbed many of our patients become dumb after an emotion but they were formerly inclined to stammer their speech was quite insufficient a girl's right leg becomes paralyzed the reason is that in her childhood her right leg was affected with rachitis in the case of another girl the paralysis of a leg is due to the fact that in her childhood the leg was affected with a white tumor and remained long in bandage this remark relates specially to the very numerous cases of associated hysteria a disease of any kind bearing on viscera often an organic lesion of the medulla or of the brain enfeebles or disturbs some function and it is on this function that the hysteric emancipation is localized so in certain cases hysteria makes conspicuous some light symptoms of organic diseases of the nervous system quite at their beginning by exaggerating them beyond all measure the fact for instance was frequently observed in the cases of tibetic vomiting associated with hysteric vomiting fourth law the function that disappears is the most complicated and the most difficult for the subject this law applies chiefly to professional and social paralyses finally fifth law we remark a very curious fact which we recognize without always being able to account for it the dissociation bears on the function that was in full activity at the moment of a great emotion there are here some physiological laws that cause the chief disturbance to bear on this function that make it probably through an association of ideas through an evocation of the emotion the most difficult for the subject it is the study of these laws it is the search for these conditions that constitute the important part of the study of hysteria leave the discussions of general definitions they are premature discussions which bear on purely verbal differences retain from these lessons the importance that attaches to the study of the psychological functions the necessity of analyzing in each particular case the mental state of the patient if these lectures have inspired you with some interest for this kind of studies if they can contribute to develop in your beautiful country the researches of pathological psychology beside the researches of experimental psychology so brilliantly represented i think you will not have lost too much time in trying to understand a barbarous language for my part i deeply feel your kind attention and reception and i am proud of having had for a few days the honor of teaching you and of being the colleague of the masters of harvard university end of section 15
End of the Major Symptoms of Hysteria by Pierre Janet.